I have a mirror here, as you can tell. Mirrors are cool. Mirrors are interesting. Uh, mirrors reflect accurately, as long as it's not like one of them circus funhouse mirrors. But mirrors reflect accurately reality. Uh, how many of you have a mirror in your house? Or several mirrors in your house? Uh, how many of you have a mirror? How many of you ladies have a mirror in your purse? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I quit carrying my, my mirror and my purse. Um, but uh, when I look into a mirror, I see things as they are. Not as I wish that they would be, per se, but I see things as they are. So I can look in this mirror and I can see the color of my hair and how much I used to have. Uh, I can see the color of my eyes. I can see how much gray is coming in in my beard. Not fair. Um, I can see how many pizza rolls I've been eating lately. That's not good. Um, color of my clothes, color of my shoes. I can see all these things in the mirror because the mirror reflects accurately the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is I have eaten too many pizza rolls. Um, but when I look into the mirror, I, I see, you know, reality. And it's reflected back at me. And you as well can see the reflection of reality when you look into a mirror. And so the question I have this morning that I want to talk about for a little bit is, what if there was a spiritual mirror? What if there was a spiritual mirror that we could look into and see how we're reflecting life? That we could look into a, a spiritual mirror and see a spiritual reality. What reflection are we giving off? That's the question I want to ask this morning. What reflection are we giving off spiritually that the world can see that is reflected in us. If we were a mirror, what would the world see when they looked into us? We're going to talk about that for a little bit today as we continue in this new series that we started last week called James, Where the Rubber Meets the Road. And uh, we are talking today uh, about uh, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. That's where we're going to be today um, as we study together uh, this in this book. Now, uh, if you've got your Bible, turn to James chapter 1. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It looks like this. It's on page, I believe it's page 855. I usually write it down. I didn't do that today, but I believe it's page 855. Um, in fact, it is. So James 1, oh, sorry, 854. Oh, I know. So close. Like Notre Dame last night. Rough night. That's why I'm so tired today. <laughs> I was up crying all night. Uh, but uh, James 1, 19 through 27 is where we are. If you also, you can use your tablet or smartphone, whatever your smart device is, and uh, you can look up this passage. So James 1, we're going to look at verses 19 through 21, and then we're going to look at verses 24 through 22 through 25, and then verses 26 and 27. We're going to jump all over the place this morning as we talk about true religion. Uh, look at verses 19 through 21 with me. My dear brothers, and remember when James says dear brothers, he means brothers and sisters. So he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you now one of the interesting things about this passage 
is when he talks about getting rid of moral filth and he talks about uh, living a righteous life that God desires. It's a, it's a language that kind of reflects changing your clothes. How many of you change your clothes on a regular basis? Please, every hand. Every hand should rise. Um, and and what, what James may have in, in mind here is, is what happens when we get baptized. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 27, Paul wrote, All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That Jesus comes and, and we put on new clothes when we get baptized. We put on new clothes when we come to Christ in faith. And I think that's really cool because I'm a clothes guy. I love clothes. I love to go clothes shopping. I love to try on clothes. Actually, I don't try on clothes. I just go to the store. I grab what I want. I bring it home. I try it on. It doesn't fit. and I take it back. Or I say to myself, I'm going to lose some weight and then they'll fit. <laughs> How many of you do that? Yeah. How many of you have clothes that don't fit? <laughs> Haven't lost the weight yet, Sean, have you? Nope. I hate it when I do that. When we put on the clothes, we put on new clothes that Jesus gives us, we start to look more like him. And we look less like our old selves. We put on new clothes. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 8, uh, Paul says, Now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That we need to change the way we talk and change the way that we live, and we put on new clothes. It's no longer acceptable to wear the old clothes, the old ripped up, ratty, painted on, greasy, nasty clothes. We don't wear those anymore. We put on new clothes. and not talking about physical clothes. I'm talking about spiritual clothes. We dress differently when we come to Christ in faith. Um, and this happens because what does he say there? He says, uh, you must accept the word, uh, um, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. The power of God's word is amazing. And, and the God, power of God's word is true, that God's word is powerful. And God's word is revealed in the Bible. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful uh, and, and is life-changing. If you want to put on new clothes, you've got to get into God's word. Because that's where we learn about the new clothes. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the author of Hebrews said, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That the power of God's word is real. And the power of God's word can do a lot of things in our lives. It can change and transform our lives and help us put on those new clothes. In 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, Paul wrote, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, this is the power of the word of God, that it rebukes, it trains, it, it corrects us. Uh, Jesus talked about the word of God. He talked about his own words. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 13, he told a parable of the sower. Um, and uh, he says in, in Matthew 13, 3, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, which produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And then he goes on to explain this parable to his disciples. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. 
The one who received the seed that was sown uh, along on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When, the trouble, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he falls away quickly. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It's one thing when we, when we come to Jesus, when we come to God in faith, when we come to Christ in faith, and uh, we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we believe in him, we repent from our sins, we confess our faith, we get baptized, we start to live a different life. When we come to Jesus in faith, uh, we uh, have to accept the word of God. And again, this word is planted within us, and we accept the word of God as the word of God, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the word of God. And we, the first thing we got to do is we accept it. But then we got to do more than just accept the word. We have to do more than just accept and believe that the Bible is God's word. We got to do something with it. It has to change the way that we live. Uh, back to James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does he say? Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now, what he talks about there is says that you've got to do what the word says. It's not enough to just hear the word. It's not enough to just believe that the word is the word, that the Bible is the word of God. You've got to do what it says. You've got to live it out. You've got to live out your faith each and every day. He says that uh, if you uh, hear the word but you don't do what it says, it's like someone who goes up to a mirror, looks in a mirror, looks away and then forgets what they look like. That sounds ludicrous, right? Well, in those days, mirrors are different than they are now. This mirror is made of polished glass. Now, mirrors in those days were made of polished bronze, which meant two things. One, they didn't reflect very well. They, didn't, they weren't very shiny. They didn't have a very good reflection to them. And two, only the wealthy could afford them. Only rich people had mirrors. And so if you were a poor peasant, it's most likely that you may have never seen your reflection. Could you imagine not knowing what you looked like? Could you imagine not knowing if you had long hair or short hair? <laughs> Could you imagine not knowing if what color your eyes were? Or if you happened to look in a mirror at some point and you looked in the mirror and thought, yeah, who is that? You look in the mirror and then you walk away and you, you forget, whoa, wait a minute, what color are my eyes? Or what color is my hair? Is my hair long? Is my hair short? You know, what, what, what do I look like? It sounds ludicrous, right? It sounds crazy. Who would forget what they look like if they looked in a mirror? But James says that it is just as ridiculous, it is just as ludicrous, it is just as crazy for someone to hear the word of God and then not obey it and not do what it says. When you hear the word of God, you need to obey the word of God. You need to do what it says. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. He says, do not deceive yourselves. You can accept the word, but if you don't do what it says, you are deceiving yourself. Do what it says. Obey the word of God. Do not be like the man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. Do not be like the man who, or the woman who looks in the mirror and forgets what she looks like. Do what it says. And what does James say? That if you do that, if you obey the word, if you do what the word says, you will be blessed in all that you do. There are spiritual blessings that come from obeying God's word. Spiritual blessings of love and joy and peace and hope. And who doesn't want more of that in their life? I know I do. More love from God, more joy in my life, more peace, more hope. That's what I want. Those are the spiritual blessings that come from knowing Jesus. The spiritual blessings that come from obeying God's word. You have these spiritual blessings in your life. You will be blessed, James says, in all that you do. Let's finish up this passage here by looking at verses 26 and 27. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And he gives us three practical suggestions, three practical recommendations, three practical commandments to keep uh, that will help us uh, to put God's word into practice. The first is to keep a tight rein on your tongue. Now, when we uh, think about our tongue for a minute, our tongues can be used for all kinds of good things. We can write beautiful poetry. We can recite beautiful poetry. We can sing songs of praise to God. We can encourage someone. We can tell someone that we love them. But our, our tongues can also be used in very dangerous ways. We can tear people to shreds or we'll gossip about somebody or we'll stab somebody in the back with our words. We'll lie about people. And, and when we do those things, we are using our tongues for evil purposes. And that's not the point. We need to keep a tight rein on our tongues. You think about the word religion. You know, when we think about the word religion, usually it has kind of a negative connotation in the church. It's like, well, we're not, I'm not into a religion. I'm not really religious per se. I'm not into religion as much. I'm into a relationship. I have a relationship with Jesus, not religion. And that's great. You know, we tend to think of religion as something that you have to do. I've heard it said that religion is spelled do, D-O, as in something I have to do in order to come to God for salvation. But Christianity is a relationship based on faith, and it's that faith that Jesus has D-O-N-E it all. God, Jesus has done it all. He has done everything that I need uh, by his grace to come to God for salvation, that everything is taken care of by Jesus. But what happens when I come to faith in Jesus? What happens when I come to Christ and my sins are forgiven uh, because I believe in him that he, that he died on the cross for my sins? But what happens then is I gotta start living out this faith. I don't live out my faith in order to, to try and impress God. I don't read my Bible to impress God. I don't pray to impress God. I do these things because God has already saved me and I wanna have a relationship with him. It's not to try and earn brownie points in heaven. It's because I wanna know Jesus better. But see, if I, if I want to know Jesus better, I need, the reason I want to know Jesus better is so that I start looking more like him and acting more like him and thinking like him and talking like him. But I can only do that if I spend time with him. We'll talk about that in just a second. But the first thing we've got to do is we've got to keep a tight rein on our tongue. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to look after the poor. 
James says. He says, religion that is pure and faultless, pure and blameless, is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, the poor, the downtrodden, the, the oppressed, we need to look after those folks. And sometimes we'll say, well, you know, it's, it's their own fault that they're in that situation. Really? Really? Or they're getting what they deserve. Really? Do any of us really get what we deserve? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that what we deserve because of our sin is death and hell. So I don't want to ever hear about, oh, they're getting what they deserve. Because I don't want what I deserve. Because the Bible says I deserve death and hell. And I don't want that. No, God has chosen to forgive me by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so while we all make poor choices and we all make dumb decisions sometimes, our job is not to look down on people, it's to look after them. Our job is not to look down on people, our job is to look after them. We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. So we want to keep a tight rein on our tongues, we want to look after orphans and widows in distress, uh, and finally we want to, uh, what does he say? He says, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In other words, we get rid of all that filth, we get rid of all that pollution that is all around us, and we start looking and thinking and talking and acting more like Jesus. That's what we're called to do, to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And that's not easy. It isn't. Because we are so unlike Jesus because of our sinfulness. And praise be to God that Jesus lived that perfect life where he could be the perfect unblemished sacrifice to forgive our sins. So let's get practical here about how we can live this out. These three things, these three commandments that James gives us. First, keep a tight rein on your tongue. When I was back in college, back in the mid-90s, late 90s, I was a big fan of, of a TV show uh, on HBO called The Sopranos. I'm not going to ask you how many of you are fans of The Sopranos because I don't want to know. Yeah, I, I've told you this before that Steve Brown, the... Uh, uh, radio guy, his, he's has a show on Moody called Key Life. Uh, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Steve Brown. He's one of my heroes. Uh, but he always says that uh, if you knew me, if you really, really knew me, you wouldn't want me to be your pastor. And if I knew you, and I mean really knew you, I wouldn't want you to be my congregation. So we're all in the same boat here. But back in the 90s, uh, I was a big fan of Sopranos. I loved the Sopranos. I, I enjoyed watching the show, even though it was morally reprehensible and totally filthy. Uh, I, and I noticed, though, the more time I spent watching the Sopranos, the more I would sound like Tony Soprano. Hey, bada bing, bada boom, right? That's not good. Not like that. That's not what I meant. I would start sounding more like Tony Soprano because of the more time because I, I was spending more time with him. So I think when it comes to uh, keeping a tight rein on our tongues, watching the things that we say, we need to be careful who we're listening to. We need to be careful who we're listening to, because the more that comes in, the more we hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear, because then it's going to come right out here. So the things that we hear, the things that we're going to say. So I found out that if I wanted to sound less like Tony Soprano and more like Jesus, I needed less Tony Soprano in my life and more Jesus in my life. And I think that's why uh, we're encouraged to read our Bibles. If you want to know what Jesus sounds like, read the Word of God because Jesus is on every page. Read the Word of God, get to know Jesus Christ, hear how He talked, and read it out loud. You don't have to necessarily read it to yourself. You can read it out loud. But... 
Spend more time with Jesus if you want to sound more like Jesus by reading his word. Hang out with other Christians. We'll talk about that in just a second. But before I do, I want to talk about taking care of orphans and widows in their distress. Like I said, sometimes we get very cold and we get very calloused when it comes to people who are in need. And we think, eh, you know, let somebody else take care of them. Or we want to make sure that we're being good stewards of God's of God's resources, with things that he's blessed us with. We want to be good stewards. And we'll use that as an excuse to not care about people. You know, oh, we don't want to enable them. Again, we're using that as an excuse to not help people. And I understand there, there's a, a side of us that, that is cynical, sure. But we are called by God, by Jesus, to look after the poor, the widows, and the orphans in their distress. We're, this is not an option. That if you want true religion, you need to do this. We need to look after people. And like I said, instead of looking down on people, we need to look after them. Instead of looking down on people, we need to look after them. We need to care about people. We need to love people like Jesus loves people. I mean, it's one of, it's one of the things, uh, one of the great commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And how do we love our neighbors as ourselves? We love them by love, we, we love God by loving people and by serving them. That's what Jesus did. He was a servant, even of the poor. We need to love and serve the poor and the downtrodden, the oppressed, those suffering injustice. We need to look after these folks as Christians. It's what we're called to do. So we need to keep a tight rein on our tongues. Uh, we need to look after the poor. And finally, we need to keep ourselves pure. We need to keep ourselves pure. And I think that this goes kind of along the lines of who we hang out with. If, if we want to keep a tight rein on our tongues, we need to be careful who we listen to. If we want to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world, then we need to spend less time in the world. It doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves. It doesn't mean that we're going to go out and build a, a wall around 202 West Pine Street and form a big com, commune, big compound, who knows what's going to happen then, right? That'd be scary. But that's not what it's about. It's not about just, it's not about isolating ourselves from the world. But rather, uh, it is about being careful who we hang out with. Who do we spend a majority of our time with? Who are you spending all your time with? If you're spending your time, uh, there's two kinds of people in this world. People who will either pull you away from Jesus or people who will get, get you closer to him. Everyone in your life is either helping you follow Jesus better or they're pushing you away from him. And I think we need to be careful who we hang out with. Not saying you can't have friends outside the church. Not saying you can't have relationships outside the church. But if those are the primary people, if you have your primary friends or your primary circle of group, uh, circle or group of friends is people who have nothing to do with Jesus and they're pushing you away from Jesus, they're pulling you away from him, you need to evaluate that. Uh, am I, uh, are the friendships and the relationships in my life helping me look and act and think and talk more like Jesus? And if not, you need to evaluate those. That's how we get polluted by the world is when the world is more influential on us than we are in the world. And that's a question that I have this morning that I want to kind of close with is are we reflecting the world around us or the one who is in us? Are we reflecting the world around us or the one who is in us. Because when we take a look in the mirror, when we take a look in the mirror and we consider the things that we say, are they life-giving words? 
or are they words that tear down? Are they words that encourage or are they words that rip somebody to shreds? Is it filthy language and filthy jokes or is it praiseworthy things that we're saying? And when we look in the mirror, what do we see? Whose reflection do we see? And when people look at us, whose reflection do they see? Do they see you? Or do they see Jesus? Do they see the world? Or do they see Jesus? See, what I want to do is I want to look in that mirror and think, man, you look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday. And then next week, you look more like Jesus today than you did last week. You sound more like Jesus, Sean. You're thinking more like Jesus. You're acting more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's what I want for my life. And I know that I'm never going to get there. I know that I'm not going to arrive. I know that I'll never be perfect. And you, neither will you. We'll never be perfect. But if we, will, if we will seek to reflect his love and his grace and his mercy and his life more than our own, if we will keep ourselves from being polluted by the world, if we will keep ourselves from being influenced by the world, and we will start in influencing others more, if we will reflect the one in us more than the world around us, we can change the world one life at a time. And it starts here and it starts now. It starts today. It starts by making that commitment. Lord, I want to reflect Jesus so that when people see me, they see him.